Well, good morning, church. I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1. And, you know, I think I'm going to do something a little bit different here to, to start. Um, we'll, we'll get there in just a second. Uh, th- this is that time of year. Summer vacation is over. How many of you guys got to get away somewhere for vacation? Just get away. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Okay. The rest of you, you need a vacation, right? I don't know. I get it. I get it. Well, it's, it's that time where everybody's uh, starting to go back to school. And I, w- I want to do something. If, if you are serving in any capacity, any capacity in a school, public school, charter school, uh, college, uh, home, you homeschool your students, whatever, if, if you are serving in any capacity in a school, I want you to stand. If you serve in any capacity in a school, uh, education, I want you to stand. Go ahead, stand, stand, stand. Man, can we just put our hands together and thank, uh, thank these people. Thank you so much. You may be seated. And I, I want to begin by praying specifically for, uh, f- for these. I said I want us to pray for our kids. Uh, kids are going back to school. Our kids are going to college. Um, I believe in these days, far too long, we've been so scared about faith. Can I tell you, we have the opportunity to teach faith, to, to raise kids and students of faith, and that's what we're about in our next gen. And, but I, I just want each of you that stood to know, first of all, that we support you. We're going to be praying for you. In fact, if somebody stood like in your general area at the end of the service, would you thank them? What, what they're engaged in is ministry. It's ministry. But I just, would you pray with me that God would bless our teachers and would use them, our administrators uh, this year? Father, I want to thank you for what you, the, the incredible opportunity that you've given uh, the, these, these men and women that stood this morning, the, the opportunity that you've given to influence, to, uh, to invest in the lives of students. And God, what I know is that that investment is many times a painful investment. And I am praying that as they go into the year, that first of all, you'd help them get everything ready to go. Some of them have probably already started. Others will be starting this week or in the next couple of weeks. I pray for, for your protection to be upon them. But God, would you, would, you, uh, would you guide their hearts? Would you give them opportunities to, to not just live with, through the words that they speak, but to live through their lives, to be an example to their students? And so God, I pray for your blessing on every person that's involved in education as part of the Grace family. I want to pray for our students as they go back. Dear God, I pray that you would protect them. Dear God, that instead of this being a time of losing faith, this would be a time of faith being strengthened. That this would be a time that, that actually our kids are actually able to live their faith. And so, Lord, I just want to thank you for what's going to happen this school year. I am so glad that you've given us the, this, this opportunity. And, Lord, I just pray that this influence would be stewarded wisely. And for what you're going to do, we thank you. And, God, you know, before I close, I, I just ask for the teaching of your word this morning. I, help me to keep from saying something I shouldn't say. But, God, at the same time, I pray that you would help me to clearly articulate the message I feel like you've laid on my heart. And, God, if nothing else, God, I pray that, that, that there would be a response to your word this morning and for what you're going to do. Because this people gathered, well, thank you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I, I'm a, before, before we jump in... Um, I have made the mistake. Like there are a lot of times where I'm, I'll try to find an analogy to use to illustrate. And there are times I get in the middle of something. I'm like, that's not good. Like one time I was, I was, I was trying to make this point that, uh, <laughs> that, that the Lord is, that Jesus Christ is the shepherd of the church. He is ultimately the one in, in charge. And so I started off by reading a fake resignation letter 
But, but I was going to make the point that, that, no, I'm not resigning from being pastor. I'm just resigning from trying to feel like I have all the answers. It's God. And I start reading this fake resignation letter. And, and, I, and this, little, this little older lady over here goes, oh, starts crying. And I'm like, oh, man. Like, I'm trying to, like, I don't know what to do. So I got to the end. I'm like, no, listen, I, I'm not resigning. And, which I guess that's a good thing. Maybe actually she was crying. Like, hey, finally. I don't know. Maybe that was it. <laughs> But, but I, I made it clear I wasn't resigning. So on the way out, so, uh, one of our greeters told us somebody was coming in and, and they're like, hey, are you new here? Yeah, we're, we're new. And a person overheard said, well, good luck. Our pastor just resigned and walked down like, oh man. Another time I was, I was talking about, I, I was trying to illustrate this, this whole thing, the, the significance of following Christ and, and, and how we're called to be faithful. And, and so I came up with this idea, like I'm going to illustrate and I'm going to talk about uh, a time when I was unfaithful to Christ, but, but I'm, the way I'm going to make it sound so people get it is that it might kind of sound like I was being unfaithful in my marriage. And, and again, I got into that and my wife was on the front seat of the she knew it wasn't good as soon as I started. And so, so I get to the end and I'm like, now just to be clear, the, I did not have an affair. This is not true. So somebody comes to me the next week and they said, man, they said, we're, we're driving home and my husband was really quiet. She's like, what's wrong? He's like, oh, I just can't believe it. She goes, what? He goes, I never took Pastor Keith to be the guy that would cheat on his wife. I just, I can't believe it. I'm like, oh man. Okay, so I, I'm saying all this right up front. Any analogies that I'm using today are just analogies. Everybody with me? All right, don't go out saying I'm resigning or whatever. But, but I think it's, it's really important. And, and uh, you know, we're, I'm gonna take... This, I don't know, it's probably going to be kind of an ambitious uh, goal today. We're, we're continuing this series, Fruit of the Spirit. We're going to be looking at goodness and faithfulness. The good, this goodness and faithfulness. And, and, and what we know as we've been through this series, like goodness and faithfulness aren't always just a natural thing. It's, it's, it's the spirit that is transforming us. He's producing this fruit. And, and, and we get this. And, and so, you know, actually, I'm going to go back, back and use the marriage analogy. Okay, so, so June 19th uh, was 23 years for Lori and I. as our anniversary. And, and I still remember our wedding day. And, and so, you know, we, we were going to have the pledges, you know, the I do's. And then we had this brilliant idea that we were going to write our vows to each other, which was great. That, you know, that's, that's a good thing. Except as I'm standing in, we're like, I don't know, 15 minutes before the ceremony starts, I'm with all the groomsmen, you know, in the stairwell before we walk in. And Lori sends a message and she's like, I am really concerned that Keith is going to forget the vows that he wrote. Can somebody go check and make sure that he has his vows on him? Sure enough, I had left them. And there's no, I can't, I can't get to them. And so, so I go, somebody had a pen and I go to a corner and I write what I could remember of the vows that I'd written on my hand. Well, here's the deal. We get to the vow part, and I was kind of nervous. <laughs> and my hands got sweaty and smeared. Half of it. And so, so she, she shares these meaningful vows. And I look down, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm gonna talk from the heart. <laughs> 
And so I, I share these vows, and like right after we shared the vows, there was a time where we, we knelt and, and we had this prayer thing, and the pastor was praying. And as we're kneeling there, our backs to the congregation, uh, to the people there, Lori leans over and she goes, did you just make those up on the moment? I like, she called me on it. But, but you know, I, I remember, I remember the, you know, the basic thing that I said is probably what we all, you know, what, what if you're married, you, you said, or what you, you would assume would be part of, of a commitment, you know, to, to vow to, to be there, to vow to, you know, you're going to be the one and only and all that sort of thing. That was part of, of what, I, what I said, I think anyway, uh, I meant to say anyway. And, and, and it's interesting because when, when we make commitments like that, when we make vows, it's not just what we say, but, but it's also what is implied. So there, there were things that I did not say when I, when I made my vows that day, but, but they were implied. When, when, I, when I made my vows to, to, be, to be faithful to her, that, that you, you are the only one for me, that, that immediately drew some boundaries. Does it make sense? Like, like what, what that meant, if I say, if I say I'm gonna be faithful to you, th- then that means that I can't, I can't, I'm not gonna have a girlfriend on the side, right? I'm not gonna be flirting or, or hey, let's just, let's keep this real. That, that, that porn and anything that's going to damage our intimacy, that I, I drew lines, that, that's what that means. So I didn't have to say all of that, it was just implied by, by making that, that commitment. You, you with me? Two, no, three months, three months before, uh, before we got married was a day in which God changed my life. For, for, for those of you who don't know my story, I was, I was raised in Indiana, a great family, Christian family. I was in church every time the doors were open. In fact, our family traveled around a music ministry and I sang the songs. I knew, like, like I knew it. I, I, it was, it was all, all here. And, and it wasn't that I, I just had this desire to just be some big rebel and all that sort of thing, but, but I didn't understand the depths of the gospel. And, and, and so this goodness, this faithfulness that we're gonna be talking about today, it was, it, was this, it was this thing where I would just try really hard to be faithful. I would tr- try really hard to be, to be good. And, and obviously I'm always failing. And I, I just have, it was almost like a roller coaster, you know, where according to my standard, I'm doing really good now. Or, and then, then, you know, <laughs> full blown train wreck. And I can't tell you how many times I tell God, oh, I'm gonna do better. But I, I remember I was driving around 275 Cincinnati, Ohio. And I just told God, I'm sick and tired of living a double life of, of claiming something I don't have and, and just playing this stupid tug of war. And I, and I, I remember specifically, I said, I said, God, either you can change me or you can't. And honestly, I, I'm to the point, I can't fix myself. The only hope I have is Christ. And I prayed a prayer, something like that. And guys, it wasn't like all of a sudden lightning hit me and birds started singing. That'd be kind of weird in a car. Uh, but it, it wasn't anything like that at all. It was just, I, I don't know how to say it. it was, other than it was like, this is it. I'm, I'm in. And I made a commitment, and guys, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, I made a commitment that day that was, I, said, I almost said just as deep, but I, it's actually deep in the commitment I made to Lori. And when I, when, I, when I responded to God's gracious invitation, because he took off the light and I saw for the first time who I was and how desperate I needed him, and God saved me, and I committed to follow him. When I made the commitment, 
I couldn't have known fully what that meant, but literally what took place when, when I committed to follow Christ, some lines were drawn. And so I, I, I made a commitment, but there were some implications because of that, that commitment that I'd made. I've, I've had a unique burden coming into this day, and, and I say that carefully. I don't want to like over-dramatize or spiritualize this, but I, I'd have as a, as a pastor. It's just a, this is a burden. I, I think I'm, I'm, I might be talking to people that, that, lived, uh, that lived a double life. Maybe you're living a double life. And, and guys, I know all about that. I, I live this. And it, it's not that you want to not follow Christ. It's just that you really struggle to do this. You're on a roller coaster and it just seems like you've tried really hard and you fail, you fail, you fail. Then you'll pray a prayer, then you fail, you pray a prayer, then you fail and you're tired of it. Here's the thing, man. I've got some really good news for you today. Faithfulness is made possible by the Father. Faithfulness is, is a fruit of what he can do in you and I. It's not what you and I are just going to conjure up. Or we're just going to conjure up some goodness or whatever. Not at all. In fact, in, in, in Galatians chapter 5, shortly before uh, Paul introduces the, the fruit of the Spirit in verses 22 and 23, he says, he says this in, in verse 16. And I think, I think this is one of the, the greatest conditional promises in Scripture. He says in, in Galatians 5, 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And what he's saying is like, you can follow Jesus. You, you can change. There, there can be a difference where, where that, that stuff that was implied when you made a commitment, but then you just feel like you're clear over on the other side of the boundary. Literally, I don't have to go there. I don't have to live there. But the, but the condition is that, that, that we walk by the Spirit, that, that we're not walking according to the flesh. We're uh, we, we've spent a lot of time, and if you're new here, man, check this out. Get, just go to YouTube uh, slash Idaho Grace. You can catch up all, all the messages because I'm not going to re-preach those messages, but, but will, will we do this by walking with the Spirit? And as, as we do this, it's, it's what the Holy Spirit's doing and transforming us. And what, what, what I believe is that there's, there's many of us, we made the commitment, but, but we... We want to go deeper, but we're not sure what that looks like. Because, you know, when, when we talk about, you know, we've, we've gone through, uh, you know, love, joy, peace. Uh, uh, let's see, love, love, uh, what is it? love, joy, peace, patience. That's what I should remember patience. I need patience. Uh, and then last, last week we looked at kindness. Well, now as we look at goodness and faithfulness, goodness is the, the Greek word used for goodness here. It's only found four places in, in the New Testament. And every time it's the Apostle Paul who's writing here. It's Apostle Paul who uses that. And, and, and it's talking about this, this moral excellence. It's talking about this, it, it characterizes, there's a difference in our character. Uh, and that's what it speaks to. Whereas faithfulness, they're both, they're both part of the same coin. Faithfulness uh, speaks to fidelity. Uh, this idea of, of being true, of, of following through on, on your commitment. And, and what, what I love is that, that this, is possible because and, and think this is so powerful for me and I, hopefully you'll grasp this. I hope I can say this clearly so you get this. Um, I'm not good and faithful by default. I want to be, but within me I don't have any good. I, I, what was it? Uh, Isaiah said, "I mean, the best I can do, my righteousness that I try to work up, it's 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 filthy rags." 
And I'm not gonna get into what he means by filthy rags, but it's like about as filthy as you can get. And, and, and so this, this whole thing that I love is this, it literally is the fruit of the spirit. It's the spirit producing this. And I'm gonna go a, a, a unique place to, to, to look at this because I wanna look at the, the, the characteristics of this life. And, 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 and this is where we go to 1 John chap, chapter one. 1 John's one of my favorite letters. We, we looked at 1 John three last week, but in 1 John chapter one, verse five, here's what John writes. This is the message we've heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That's really interesting because I gotta pause here. The Apostle Paul, when he was trying to illustrate uh, goodness, he, one of the places he, he talks about goodness is in Ephesians uh, 4 and 5. And, and he, he's drawn this distinction. He said, you're not who you used to be. You've been changed. And in essence, he said, since, since you're not, he uses the term, like we don't get Gentiles or whatever, but Gentiles just meant you, you're an unbeliever. Uh, you don't walk like an unbeliever. And he uses this whole thing of, of, of now you walk, but you walk in the light. He uses that, that, that verbiage. And, and anytime you see in scripture this, this analogy, the illustration of walking in the light, it's just talking about that this, is, this is how you live in everyday life. When it talks about the walk, it's specifically talking about this is how you live in everyday life. And so in Ephesians uh, chapter five, verses eight through nine, Paul is, is making this point. He said, you know, you're, one time you're darkness, but now you're light. Walk as children of light. And he says this, for the fruit of light, here's how you recognize it. The fruit of light is found in all that is good. It's all that's found in good and, and right and true. It puts us together. They all come back to this whole con, the, the context of goodness. And so it's interesting. I love how scripture just ties together because John is saying the same thing a little bit different way in, in 1 John 1 where he's saying, God is light. In him is no darkness at all. Verse six, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness... We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I love that. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, difference between sin, this, this, this whole thing, and then sins. Sins must be confessed. We'll, we'll come back to this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. There we have that word again, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Chapter two, verse one. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. What he's saying is like, and we need to hear this. We do not have to live in rebellious sin every single day. We don't have to live a life of rebellion. Are we going to fail? Are there gonna be times in, in which we sin? Yes. But I'm talking about, we do not need to live a lifestyle of rebellion. That's, that, is the, that is anathema to, 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 to holiness, to what we've been called to, to, to who God is. He says, I write these things to you that you may not sin, but then he goes on to this. Man, it's such a beautiful thing, verse two. Man, it's so good. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who is, big word alert, the propitiation for our sins. What that means simply is that, that when he hung on the cross, he, he wasn't just a good man dying for somebody because, I mean, there's been a lot of people who died for someone else. 
Uh, think of, you know, for instance, our military. They're people that have paid the ultimate price. So what was different was he didn't just die for us. He literally purchased our redemption. How do you redeem? A payment has to be made. What was the payment? Well, it was more, it was more than just his life. Literally, when it says he's a propitiation, he took God's wrath. He took on himself what we should have received. He did this for us. That's how he redeemed us. And he, he, he died for us. His blood were, you know, that's, it's a beautiful concept. So propitiation, he, he became the propitiation for our sin. But, 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 we, but we go on to, to read this, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And so what, what we're seeing here, because I want to make sure we understand this whole, these concepts of goodness, faithfulness, this fruit of, of the spirit that's being developed in us, a fruit that we cannot just in and of ourselves produce. We gotta look at characteristics. We're fruit inspectors, right? Like, like we, we're depending on the spirit to produce this, but we have to be able to recognize this and then we practice and, 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 and use what, what he's giving us. But what we see is the three characteristics that are really important. That This is a person who's being cleansed, a person who's confessing, and, and a person who is conquered who's understood that, that I, I don't have to remain a slave to sin. But, but when, we, when we break this down, when we break this down, he, he's actually, he, he says that we can know these things. I love how John uses that word know, K-N-O-W. You can know this. He used it about 42 times in this little letter. And he, 1 John 5, 13, you may know that you have eternal life. And so he's talking about assurance. We can have this assurance that, that we are who we say we are. Like, like who we say we are, who we testify to be, it actually is in, is in sync with, with who we really are. So, Cass, was it last week that you watched Catch Me If You Can, that movie? Uh, it was like a week or two ago. Uh, she watched that movie. Anybody ever watched that movie, Catch Me If You Can? Uh, I really, really like that. If you haven't watched it, uh, it's a story about, uh, it's based on supposedly a true story of a guy who was a con man. Uh, and like in his late teens, early 20s, he conned his way into being a Pan Am pilot, um, a surgeon, Anybody going for procedure? Make you feel good? Um, and uh, let's see, uh, what, was it, what was the other thing? Yeah, a lawyer. Yeah, a, a, a lawyer. And like, he, it was pretty crazy. I mean, they eventually busted him. But here was the thing. In the movie, if you've watched that, the whole time, everybody or most people are believing what, they're, what, what, they, what he's professing to be. But he knows the truth. He knows that he isn't who he says he is. I thought of that as I was studying for this this week. I, th I think when, when it comes to this assurance that, you know, that you can know these things, that, that we can know that we belong to Christ, we can know that, that, the, that God is doing this work in our lives, um, we cannot have assurance if there is a difference, if there's, a, if there's this big difference between who we say we are and what everybody sees and who we know we really are. You cannot have assurance. Use my marriage, you know, come back to my marriage analogy. The person who is being unfaithful, and maybe their spouse doesn't even know it. They're being unfaithful in a marriage. Do you think that when they lay their pillow, uh, they lay their head in the pillow, that, that they're going to sleep with the assurance that everything is okay? No. 
It's like, dude, when am I going to get busted? Or, you know, do you, you know, could I get busted? Now, there might be a few moments where you're not even thinking. That's where a lot of it begins. But, but let's be honest, you don't have that assurance. But, but conversely, when, when there's an alignment between, between the testimony and the life, and, and then there's this fruit that God's producing in us, man, the, the per, again, marriage, I'll use that. When you're keeping your vows, you go to bed. There's true intimacy. You, you, don't, you don't have nightmares of being found out. You don't, get what I'm saying? Assurance is a really important thing. Um, now, I, now I, I will say this. There's, there's also a false assurance. That, you, know, there's, uh, you know, there's a false assurance that comes from making false claims. But then there's a, there's a false assurance that comes from just not knowing the difference. For, for a little while, I worked in a psychiatric hospital uh, as part of a mechanical engineering group, and we had to do some work there. And in this, in this psychiatric hospital were people who believed they were someone they really weren't. One guy thought he was Jesus, literally thought he was Jesus. Another, another guy thought he was a mother. And another guy, uh, oh, <laughs> one of the guys thought he was a psychiatrist. He would actually go around telling people, he'd come in, you know, he, and, and he was, prof- man, he believed it fully. But, but, his, but his assurance was not based on reality. You see, what, what, what is really important for us to grasp, there, there are three, I'm just going to hit this real quick, and I'm going to tell you right now, like if, if you're looking like there is no way we're getting all this done, just hang with me. If we don't, I'm not going to stress about it. We'll come back and hit it next, we'll, we'll finish next week. But I, but I do, I want us to make sure we understand assurance because I'm going to give you my big point, and then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna come back and break this down. Assurance... Assurance of salvation, assurance of, 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 of you know, walk, walking with God and, and all, all, this, all this sort of thing. Assurance, this assurance is anchored to the faithfulness of God. But I would say also, first and foremost, but also to the, to the faithfulness that he's producing in us. So there's, there's the faithfulness of God. We just sang about that. God is, even if we're faithless, God is faithful, right? We believe that? God is faithful. But there's also this, this faithfulness that's being produced in me that anchors this assurance. And so, so when, when the Hebrews writer says that we can, we can come to the throne of God in full assurance, he uses that phrase in full assurance, Hebrews 10, 22, that full assurance is made up of not just one part of assurance. There are three components at least to this. The first is, is this cognitive assurance, this, this thing I know where I know what the word of God says. I base, I base on what I know. I base this on what I know. And this gets rid of the guy who thinks he's Jesus, right? So you got to come back to the word of God. I fully embrace what I, what, what I read. This is who I am without Christ. I believe, in, and I believe on what Christ did, that the only way I can be saved is through the work Christ did on the cross. And I trust that what Christ did was enough. I respond to the gracious call to salvation and, and I believe there, there's a cognitive, I know these things, I can hold on to this. That is essential for assurance, but that cognitive isn't the only part because there's also, and this is probably not the right word. And so like some of you guys that are walking thesaurus or whatever, help me out. You can give me the right word later. I'll just use this word, subjective assurance. Okay, I'm going to use this word subjective assurance. And what I mean by, by subjective assurance, this is, when, this is when the Holy Spirit speaks to us. He doesn't do this for everyone. He, he speaks to us. I, guys, I cannot explain it. Uh, when I go back to what took place in March of 1999, when I, when I responded, I, 
and for the first time, my faith was in Christ and not my efforts. I don't even know how to explain it other than there was just this assurance that I belong to God. I don't know how else to put it. It's, it's a, and I just use that word subjective, it's a personal, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, this is what Paul is writing about in, in Romans chapter eight, verse 14, when, when, when he writes, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. It's talking about, man, you have this level of intimacy, you can know that you belong to him. The, here's what he says in verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. This is, this is an assurance that is felt. It's, it's God's, it's just the way God moves. His Holy Spirit speaks to us. But again, a, a lot of times we confuse the, the, the witness of the spirit with just pure emotions. Big difference between the two. I felt emotion at a Boise State game and not just positive emotion, by the way. I felt a few po negative emotions. Uh, <laughs> thank you. I, got, I knew I'd get an amen there. Way to go, Troy. But no, no, here's, here's, here's what I love. Here's, here's what I love. The Holy Spirit, it goes beyond just emotion. There, there is, there's, there's a depth there where you, it's, it's unshakable. Emotions come and emotions go. A lot of times we base our, we base our, our standing or our hope of salvation on if we feel, we feel holy. Dude, I probably should not tell you this. I'm a pastor, but there are days I don't feel holy. I don't feel like a Christian. And I'm thankful on those days that we do not walk by feeling, but by faith. Listen, man, we can go through seasons where it seems like God's a million miles away. You can go through times of anxiety, depression, whatever the case has to be, and you can beat yourself up and, and this wouldn't be happening if, 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 if I, no, listen, you cannot have a faith that's based on feeling. Now, can I, can I tell you, feelings are a wonderful thing. God created us that way. I, I'm, I love feelings, but, but my faith does not come from there. And so, man, I had a, I had a buddy of mine that, uh, a guy I've, I've known for years that was in ministry, and while he was in ministry, he was having multiple affairs on his wife. But he told me when everything came to the service, everything came out, he said, man, he said, the thing that was so hard about this was, you know, when, I, when I'd be ministering, I would, I would feel emotion. And I thought because I felt that emotion that God was still using me, so he's okay. And he's not really judged me for this. That's dangerous. Dangerous place. So, so that's why it's important. I want us to make sure we understand there's, there's a cognitive assurance there is, there is a subjective assurance, but then the, the thing that's gonna be the rest of our time as, as, as we come to close and, and we break this down, there's a behavioral assurance. There is a behavioral assurance, and, and this is what Paul is talking about when we look at Ephesians 5, walk in the light. You don't, don't walk as you used to walk. You have a new walk. This is what John's talking about in the verses that we just read. Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 through 11, he said, actually, he said, if you want to confirm your calling and election, he doesn't say to, to earn your calling and election. That's already taken care of. He says, if you want to confirm that, if you want to have assurance of this, you're going to pursue goodness. As you pursue faithfulness, as you pursue these things, it confirms what God's already done. And so there's this behavioral assurance. When you put the three of these together, the, the cognitive, the subjective, and the, and the behavioral, you have this full assurance that, that allows us to live a life, not, not 
going back and forth, this roller coaster life, there's a deliverance that takes place here. And, and so what John does here is he says, I want you to know these things. I want you to reassure your heart. And he gives us, I'm gonna give us four characteristics of, of, of this goodness and faithfulness, this spiritual fruit that God is producing in us. It has everything to do with this behavioral assurance. And, and the first is it's marked by watchful obedience, Watchful obedience. And the reason I, I, I say watchful obedience is because in verse, verse three of chapter two, he says, by this we know, we have this assurance that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. And that, and that word keep is, it's not just, you know, I do this because I have to. I do this because this is forced on me or I'm blindly following some rules. No, keeping takes it to a whole new level. It means, it, it means to steward or, or to guard. So for instance, Jen Mather is our director of finance here and she is a bulldog about keeping the books. Thank God for that. Our finance team, that's very important. And, and so this whole thing of, of keeping the book, it's very, very important. We, we guard this. We, we watch out for this. We, we, we take care of this. We're, you know, these commands of God, they're not forced on us because that's, that's crazy because we don't walk a forced walk. No, we're, we're, we've made a commitment to walk with Christ. Like I, I'm not still married to Lori because I'm forced to be married to Lori. Like she doesn't hold a gun on me or anything like that. I, I'm committed to her. I want to, I want to, follow, I want to be with her. No, this, this, this is the whole thing. We're not forced. No, we, we intentionally and, and actively and watchfully obey. And, and guys, this changes our approach to daily living. You know, a lot of times I get questions about a number of different things. So, so for instance, uh, I'll get questions about like, like gray areas or what are perceived to be gray areas. You know, I don't know. Might be dating or drugs or drinking or ethics, career. I mean, I, it could be anything. But, but a lot of times, some of these questions that I get asked, if I could sum them all up with one question, it would be this. How close can I get to sin and still be a Christian? Okay, now here's the deal. That is a wrong question to be asking. And you, you may just illustrate that. Again, I'm gonna just use this, I'll beat this marital marriage analogy to beat that dead horse. Okay, let's just say Lori and I are sitting out for premarital counseling, getting ready to get married. And I ask the premarital counselor. Okay, man, real quick question for you. How much flirting can I do and still be married? Okay, how much porn can I look at and still be married? How many other girlfriends can, okay. Come on, guys. If I said that, first of all, Lori would have killed me. Number two, she definitely wouldn't have married me. We, we get this on a relational aspect, but, but many times we live our lives as, as if, and can I tell you, this is almost a different weird form of legalism. Like when we think of legalism, it's, it's, you know, it's like this, we gotta keep the law, and if you don't keep the law, I feel terrible, or I'm always making sure that everybody else is keeping the law. This is a weird thing that is focused with the letter of the law, but it's on the other end. It's saying, man, I wanna know the law and I wanna know what, I can, what can be fuzzy enough where I can still do what I wanna do and still abide by the law. That's why we have defense attorneys. You know what I'm saying? Oh, not, I just, 
If you're a defense attorney, I love you, I do. No, but, but no, you, you, you see what I'm saying? This is an interest in, in not, the, not the, the specifics, you know, what are the technicalities? No, it's, it's all about the, the, the spirit of the law. By this, we know, we have this assurance that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. And, and what this implies is, is, is another thing. It, I mean, it, it, if I've made this commitment, commitment, I've embraced watchful obedience, and God is producing this, this work, and, and, and there's this watchful obedience, there's also a rejection of sinful living. I'm not going to chase sin because, uh, listen, we get this logically. I cannot go east and west at the same time. I cannot pursue sin in Jesus at the same time. That is, that is logically impossible, philosophically impossible. It is spiritually impossible. I cannot pursue sin and, and Christ at the same time. There, there's, again, I've, I've drawn those lines by my commitment. And what, what God is, what the Spirit does is, is he, He's actually helping us to live a life where we can begin to reject. Some of you are like, man, I want to reject, but I feel like I can't. Here's the good news. You can, but it, but it comes not by you trying harder. It's, it's agreeing with the Spirit. It's going to begin with the Spirit. He's going to produce this fruit. And then we live what He is producing within us. But the fruit of goodness and faithfulness is also marked, and this is so important, guys, by a lifestyle of confession. A lifestyle of confession. And, 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 and confession here, when I, when I use the word confession, it's not, it's not me just giving information, like I'm telling you something I did. It's, confession is me agreeing with God's standard. It's me agreeing with what God says something is. It's me submitting to what he says, and I'm, I'm confessing I'm wrong and you're right. Wouldn't it just be so nice to hear the, those words from a person that you're thinking of right now in your life? Ah, I'm wrong and you're right. Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, the, the, the reality is this, is this is what confession means here. This is why he, he said, if we, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There are things that we can know because you know there, there's this one side that, that, that says that we can't have assurance. And by the way, if you believe that you cannot have assurance, guys, there's a whole reason why 1 John is in the Bible. You can know, you can know, you can know, you can know, you can know. If, if you live like, oh man, you know, man, I hope I don't lose my salvation today. Or man, if I go to bed, what if I wake up and I'm different and God's forgot about me? Please, 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 you belong to God. There is no place in scripture that supports some jacked up version of God being this person who's just playing games with your salvation. You can be assured that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. On the other end, though, there's this false assurance that says I can do whatever I want because one time I made, you know, I made a commitment, I got baptized, or I got confirmed, or I signed a card, or I, I prayed a prayer. The, the, a, a lot of times, we, we can make a profession and there, there, there be no real possession of, of, of salvation. I, I can say I'm, I'm saved, but, but, but for instance, it's just like the guy that, that in, the, in the psychiatric hospital said he's a psychiatrist. He can say he's a psychiatrist, but he, doesn't, he hasn't met the qualifications of being a, of a psychiatrist. That's what Jesus said. Many, uh, you know, there are gonna be those that, that in that day he's gonna say, depart from me, I never knew you. And they're gonna be like, whoa, hold the brakes. Jesus, what are you talking about? We prophesied in your name. We did all these good deeds in your name and all this. And he's gonna say, sorry, I, I, I never knew you. It, 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 you, you weren't, 
You were following a perception, but you weren't following me. You're like, well, man, how can we know that we know that we know this is what we're talking about right here? It's this cognitive, it's the heart, the subjective. It's, it's, this, it's this assurance that comes from, from walking by the Spirit, walking with the Spirit. It's, 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 it's this fruit that, that he's developing. And then this confession, this lifestyle of confession is so, so important. You see, confession is rooted in humility. It's rooted, first of all, in a belief that God is good, that God, God is good. Guys, if you don't believe God is good, you're gonna have, you're gonna have trouble agreeing with him. If you struggle with the goodness of God, you're gonna struggle with this. But, but, but confession is rooted in humility. It's rooted in a belief in God's goodness. It's a recognition of the fact that I can't do this without him. I'm in need of his grace. And I believe that many of us have started this journey, but, but, but maybe we've, we find ourselves in, and we're caught and we're pulled one way or, or, or another. And maybe it's because we, we've, we've missed out that we're called to a lifestyle of confession. The, the, the person who is being transformed, the fruit of the spirit, this is a confessing person. We're like, well, you shouldn't have to confess if you're following Christ. Are you kidding me? I need, to, I need to confess probably almost every day in the sense that, that God in his graciousness is showing me things. I'm like, oh, man, yeah, that's it. And I walk in, that's confession. When he points, or maybe he points out a, a sin or, or something like that, I'm like, I don't try to deny it, cover it up or, or, or redefine it. I'm like, yes, yes, you're right. That's confession. It's, it's us walking in the light. And, and can I tell you that God's not gonna give you all the light overnight. Sometimes he's gonna give you, he's gonna give you enough light to take your next step. That's why the word of God is a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. And, he, and, and he, listen, don't, don't feel like God's out to get you if, if you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and he shows you sin in your life. That's not cause for you to throw up your hands and say, well, I guess I'm done with. I gotta go back to spiritual kindergarten and start all over. No, it just means you say, oh God, you're right. You're right. And you get up and you keep walking. You confess, you repent. That's what it that really is what it looks like to walk in the light. And this, this assurance is this fruit of faithfulness and goodness. He's, he's actually producing this in us and then we actively live this. And I'm gonna tell you, can I tell you this? When it comes to life self-confession, this is where some of us need to start right now. It's where we get real with God. We start, call, stop with calling sin by other names. I'm just a human, I was just born this way. Well, yeah, I agree, we're all born that way. We're all born that way. We confess, as we confess, God is faithful to forgive us. He's faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's faithful to give us assurance, to give us power. Actually, that's the last thing I'm gonna leave you with. This, this spiritual fruit of goodness and faithfulness is marked by full assurance. This is what marks this. I love this. We can know that we belong to him. We can know that we're walking with him. This, and so if you set perfection as your standard, don't set perfection as your standard because you're always gonna try to be looking at everybody else to see what they're doing that you're not doing. And if you fall short, you gotta kick yourself and pick yourself up. You're, that's you walking in your own light. No, as you're walking in the light, you, the, the standard that we have is just to keep step with the spirit. Walk by the spirit, he says, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. But what I love is what anchors our confidence when it comes to confession is believing that we have someone who argues for us. Because so I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna redeem all my good defense attorney friends. The greatest defense attorney in the world is Jesus Christ. 
When I traveled with Liberty, the music group, we would do fe- play festivals in Canada and that sort of thing. And when we crossed the line, they had all kinds of different uh, import-export taxes that you had to be aware of and pay. And, and so I, I got to where I knew their code, the Canadian code. I knew it better than the U.S. code. I had it nailed backwards, forwards. And I would tell the other guys, I'm like, when we get to the border, don't say a word. Let me speak for us. Because I know what I'm talking about. They'd always try to tell, make some stupid joke or whatever. And you know what? I've learned you don't joke with border agents. They don't have to let you cross. And many times just to show us that they didn't appreciate our humor. There have been times we've sat for four hours just to make a point. So I'm like, shut up and let, I know what I'm talking about. Well, here's what I love, church. The beauty of confession is when God shows us, reveals sin in our lives. Instead of, instead of running in shame, that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to accuse you. He's the accuser. Instead of hiding in shame. No, literally, We can come, we can confess, knowing that as we confess, we have an advocate with the Father, a defense lawyer with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He speaks for you. Actually, his blood speaks for you. This one belongs to me. And what what I will say is that as this begins to happen, as instead of just always running from, from this or, or living in shame, as we live a life of confession, we have the full assurance that comes from this fruit of goodness and faithfulness that he's working in us. A goodness and a faithfulness that is lived out. A faithfulness and goodness that is marked by this watchful obedience. And guys, we can know that we know that we know that we belong to the Father. This is the beauty of spiritual fruit. This is the beauty of walking by the Spirit. And so I want to do something as we close. Okay? I know that, that what, what, I'm, what I'm getting ready to ask you to do is not easy, but I'm going to just tell you right now, if following Jesus was, was easy, man, everybody would be on this. It would be fire insurance. Like, yeah, let's do this. This, this morning, I, I'm, I'm going to pray a prayer, and then um, I'm, I'm going I'm to ask some of you to, 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 to do something that might be a little di- difficult. Man, if, if, you have, if you have been wrestling with this whole thing of, of being pulled back and forth. You desire to follow Jesus. But man, you feel like, man, it's just been something that's pulling you. What, what I want you to do today is I want you to come to the Father, not based on what you bring to the table, but trusting in the work of Christ. And I want you to confess your sins. I'm gonna ask that you confess your sins, believing that he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, and that he literally can set you free. That's, and you're like, well, that's not hard. Well, what I'm going to ask is after I get done praying, I want to, I, I, I literally, I, I want to make a testimony in the face of an accuser that tries to keep us hidden and keep us in shame. What I'm going to ask, if you pray that prayer, when, when we pray here, we're going to stand up and we're going to make a testimony that God has done a work, that I, my faith is in Christ. And, and what I want you to do, if, 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 if you confess this morning, you say, I'm done with that double living. Man, let's just see what God, we're going we're to testify to the goodness of God. Father, I want to thank you for what you have done. I want to thank you for the work that your Holy Spirit is doing in in your children, producing fruit in us that is not natural, it's not who we normally are. God, you are transforming us by your Holy Spirit. And God, I spent way too many years, as you well know, God, you, you convicted me, and I thank you for your grace and your patience with me. 
but I spent so much time trying to be good and faithful in my own strength, and I could not do that. But God, I want to thank you for what took place when I just confessed my, in desperation that you were the only, that you're the only source, and I, tr- I put my trust in Christ. And, and my commitment was not based, I stopped saying, I'm going to do this. My commitment was nothing more than you're going to be Lord, and I'm going to follow. And God, from that point, you, you have taken me a crazy way, but God, you've done this beautiful thing, and you've, you've produced this fruit, and I thank you that you're still being patient and good and gracious. So God, if there's somebody here that's been wrestling with living this, this going back and forth, I'm praying that you would set them free even as they confess in the name of Jesus that they would begin this walk. Dear God, that you would do this work, that your Holy Spirit would begin to transform them, that this goodness and this faithfulness that they long for, dear God, that they would experience this as they walk by the Spirit. And so God, for what you're doing now, even as we confess, we thank you for this. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said... All right, here's what I'm gonna do. We gotta, get, we gotta empty out this parking lot, but real quick, we gotta do this. If there's anybody that, that, that prayed that prayer with me, would you just stand? Would you just stand? I just wanna testify. Absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> testify on the fact I'm done. God's got me. I'm walking with him. I want everybody else to stand. Listen, I'm telling you, God's not done, church. This goodness, this faithfulness, it is a work of the spirit. He's not done. Let's walk by the spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. Go with grace. Guys, sign up for men's advance. You're dismissed. See you next week.